Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with After These Things, as we pick up in Revelation chapter 4, verse 1. And now, with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. Shall we turn now to Revelation chapter 4? Revelation chapter 4 begins with the Greek words metatauta, and the first verse begins and ends with the same Greek words. The words literally from the Greek are after these things. So as we come to this phrase, after these things, our minds should flash back to chapter 1, verse 19, where the book of Revelation was divided into three basic divisions. Write the things which you have seen, the things which are, and the things which will be after these things, metatauta. So obviously we are coming into the third section of the book of Revelation, after these things. After what things? Well, it seems to me it would be quite apparent and obvious it would be after the things that he was just talking about. And the things he was just talking about were the things of the church. So after the things of the church, for we had in chapters 2 and 3, the messages of Jesus to the seven churches of Asia, which, as we pointed out, represent seven periods of church history. So after these things, the things of the church, I looked and behold, a door was open in heaven. And the first voice I heard was as it were of a trumpet talking with me, which said, come up hither and I will show you things which must be after these things. I believe that when the church has completed its purpose upon the earth and has finished its witness, or as Paul describes, when the fullness of the Gentiles is come in, that the Lord is then going to catch away his church into heaven. Paul said, behold, I show you a mystery. We're not going to all sleep, but we're all going to be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. The trump of God shall sound. The dead in Christ shall be raised incorruptible. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17, Paul said, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with the voice of the archangel, the trump of God. Dead in Christ shall rise first. We who are alive and remain shall be caught up to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. So I believe that the church is to be raptured And I believe the point of the rapture in the book of Revelation is here in chapter 4, verse 1. I believe that John was taken by the Spirit unto the day of the Lord and experienced through the Spirit the rapture of the church. When the Lord had completed his messages to the church or to the churches, then the call to John was, come up hither and I will show you things which must be after these things, after the things of the church. So as we enter then into the fourth chapter, we enter into the post-church era upon the earth. 
We will be coming back to the earth in chapter 6, but it is the post-church era when God now judges the world for its ungodliness and unrighteousness and for its rejection of his son. But the church, with John here in chapter 4, caught up into heaven. And immediately I was in the spirit. And behold, there was a throne set in heaven, and one sat upon the throne and he that sat upon was to look upon like a jasper and sardin stone. And there was a rainbow round about the throne in sight like unto an emerald. And so the basic color that emanates from the throne is a green along with the sardin red, along with the jasper, which is a clear crystalline type of a stone, a purple hue. Now, Paul told us in Timothy that God dwells in a light that is unapproachable by man. And here in heaven, even in our glorified bodies, we only see the radiance of the glory of God as it emanates from his throne, like a brilliant light, the predominant color being green, the rainbow about the throne, like an emerald, the green in color, with the sardine red color and the jasper stone uh, in, in, in brilliance, in, in coloring, in light. And around about the throne, there were 24 lesser thrones, thronos in Greek, translated seats. And upon these thrones, I saw 24 elders sitting, clothed in white raiment, and they had on their heads crowns of gold. The 24 elders clothed in white raiment are representative of the church, according to most Bible scholars. These 24 elders are representative. The fact that they're in white robes, the church is to be clothed in white robes, the righteousness through faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus said to the church of Laodicea, verse 21, chapter 3, To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am sat down with my Father in his throne. The 24 lesser thrones. Now we see the heavenly scene. Sitting in white robes upon their thrones. And out of the throne, that is the throne of God, there proceeded lightning, thundering, voices. And there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Now again, it is important that we place in our mind the tabernacle that Moses built in the wilderness. Because we are told in the book of Hebrews that the tabernacle was actually a model of heavenly things. If you want to know basically what heaven is going to look like, you can go back to the tabernacle and, and you can get an uh, idea of what the throne of God is like in heaven. And there in the tabernacle, we remember when the priest came into the holy place, 
On the left-hand side, there was the seven candlesticks coming out of the one base. And these seven golden candlesticks, we now know from the book of Revelation, are representative of the Holy Spirit and the presence of the Holy Spirit there before the throne of God. The sevenfold work or the complete work of the Holy Spirit. We remember that in the Holy of Holies, there was that Ark of the Covenant that Moses made, covered with the gold lid, which was the mercy seat, upon which there was carved these golden cherubim with their wings touching the corners of the Holy of Holies of the tabernacle. And so as we go on in the reading of the description here of heaven, we next come to these cherubim, these angelic beings created by God who seem to be the highest order of angelic beings. Before the throne there was a sea of glass like unto crystal in the midst of the throne and round about the throne there were four living creatures full of eyes in front and behind. And the first living creature was like a lion. The second was like a calf. The third had the face of a man. And the fourth was like a flying eagle. Now there are those Bible scholars who see in this the four phases of Christ as represented in the Gospels. The first Matthew presents Jesus as the lion of the tribe of Judah. The lion, of course, is known as the king of the beast. The second, like a calf, as Mark presents Jesus as the suffering servant. And the ox is considered the top of the domesticated animals. The third, like a man, as Luke presents Jesus as the Son of Man, and man the crowning order of God's creation. And the fourth, like an eagle, as John presents Jesus as the Son of the living God, and the eagle being the greatest of the flying fowls. These cherubim were first mentioned in the book of Genesis when God drove Adam out of the garden after his sin. He put the cherubim at the gate of the garden to guard it lest man should return to the garden and eat of the tree of life and live forever in a sinful state. The cherubim are again mentioned in the book of Ezekiel as in chapter 1 and in chapter 10 Ezekiel had a vision of the throne of God which parallels the vision of John here in the book of Revelation. As Ezekiel saw the cherubim, each of them had the four faces. And so on each side, a, a face. And the, the, the faces of the ox and the uh, lion and the man and the eagle in uh, the vision that Ezekiel had. And for background, you probably should read Ezekiel 1 and Ezekiel 10 to find parallel passages 
to John's vision here of the throne of God in heaven. And it is Ezekiel that names these creatures as the cherubim. Now, from the book of Ezekiel also, we know in the 28th chapter that that was the position that was once occupied by Satan. That the Lord speaks of him declaring that he was one of the anointed cherubs. So he had a place that was very close to God, for the cherubim are about the throne of God in their worship of God. And Ezekiel tells us that at one time Satan was one of these anointed cherubs. Again in a parallel passage, Isaiah 6, Isaiah also saw the throne of God. And when he got the vision of the throne of God, he said, Woe is me, I am a man of unclean lips. I dwell amongst a people of unclean lips. And he saw a seraphim, which is probably in the order of the cherubim. And a cherubim is only the plural of cherub. So you've heard of cherubs, and so the plural of, of per, cherub is cherubim. As the plural of seraph is the seraphim. And uh, the I am is a plural in the Hebrew. So he saw the seraphim who came from the altar of God with a live coal and touched his lips and said, now are you clean? But we find here in John's vision of them that each of them had six wings and they were full of eyes and they rested not day and night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. And so they are there around the throne of God declaring the holiness of the eternal God. And when these living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne who lives forever and ever, the eternal God. The 24 elders fall down before him that sat on the throne, and they worship him that liveth forever and ever, and they cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. And so here we see the first scene in heaven. And this will probably be one of the first scenes that you'll observe in heaven, as John did. The throne of God, the cherubim about the throne of God, the worship of God as he sits upon the throne. And then the response to the declaration of the holiness of God made by the cherubim are the 24 elders responding, saying, Thou art worthy to receive glory and honor and power. Why? First of all, because you've created all things. Not that, you know, you've allowed all things to evolve. You created all things. And not only that, it is for your pleasure they are and were created. Here is a statement of fact that is important for us to accept. 
I was created for God's pleasure. That means I wasn't created for my own pleasure. Thus, I should not seek to please myself because then I'm not answering the purpose of my existence. I should seek to please God. Then I am answering the purpose of my existence. But the interesting thing is, is when I live to please God, I find great pleasure myself. Therein is happiness. Therein is satisfaction. Therein is fulfillment when I live to please God. If any man seeks to save his life, he's going to lose it. But if you'll lose your life for my sake, Jesus said, you'll, you'll find it. And to really find what living is all about, you've got to just live for his pleasure. Thus you're answering the purpose of your existence, and thus your life is fulfilling and rich. And I saw in the right hand of him that sat upon the throne a scroll that had writing both within and on the backside, and it was sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open this scroll and to loose the seals thereof? And no man in heaven nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. And so I began to sob convulsively, because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. What is this book that has such a strong reaction upon John when no one is found worthy to open it? This book is nothing other than the title deed to the earth. Under Jewish law, Whenever you sold property, in the deed there was always a redemptive clause. You always had the right to buy the property back within a specified period of time, providing you could fulfill the terms and the requirements that were written in the deed. So whenever there was the sale of property, there was always two deeds that were drawn up. One deed was sealed, and it was put away in a safe deposit. The other remained open and was kept by the person who sold the property. And in the time of redemption, you would bring the, both deeds, the one that was open and the one that was sealed, and by the open deed, you would prove that you were the one that had the right to redeem it. And in the redeeming of it, you would break the seals of the closed deed. And you would fulfill the requirements therein, and thus the property would revert to you. In the book of Jeremiah, chapter 32, we find Jeremiah is in the prison. He has predicted that Jerusalem is going to fall to the Babylonians. He has encouraged the people not to resist in order to spare their own lives because resistance will be suicide. The Babylonians are going to conquer them and so capitulate. Well, he was arrested for treason. And he was thrown into the dungeon because of his encouraging of the people to not to try to resist the Babylonian invasion but to surrender because Babylon was going to conquer them. 
He also prophesied that after 70 years of Babylonian captivity, they were going to come back and they were going to occupy the land again. They were going to be carried off to Babylon, but after 70 years you'll come back and occupy the land. Now, here you are. The Babylonian army is outside of the city. It has now put the siege around the city. They're about ready to conquer the city. And here is... Jeremiah sitting in the prison because he has encouraged the people not to resist because they are going to fall. But he has also prophesied, we're going to have this land again. So his, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah and said, look, your uncle's property is coming up for redemption. Go ahead and redeem it. Now, there was this clause in these contracts that if you personally could not redeem your property again, then one of your relatives could step in and redeem it for you so that the property remained in the family. And so the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, you know, Hannah Neal's field is coming up for redemption. Go ahead and redeem it. His uncle was unable to do it himself. So... In order to show his faith to the people in the promise of God that they were going to come back and have this land again, Jeremiah went ahead and redeemed the field. We'll return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Revelation on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Revelation 4 through 5 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's the wordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD. And our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of The Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord be with you, and may your life Be an instrument in God's hand this week. May God help you. And may you experience the anointing of God's Spirit upon your life in a new and a very special way as He empowers you to do His work. In Jesus' name. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. Hey, I want to tell you about a biblical counseling ebook by Chuck Smith. It's pretty easy to download and takes only a minute. I can't tell you how grateful I am for something like this. It's a game changer for anyone who needs to counsel or talk with someone on the spot. 
Like when I'm talking with my friends and a complicated issue comes up, I can do a quick search on my phone and get immediate answers that lead them to God's Word. So not only do I get Pastor Chuck's commentary, but I can find out what the Bible says about it. There's seriously so many helpful topics, like dating or self-image, lust, waiting on God, or even what certain religions or cults mean. I could even use this when I have a question myself. To download the Biblical Counseling eBook by Chuck Smith, or to preview a demo, visit thewordfortoday.org and click on the link provided. To find out more, you can call 1-800-272-9673. 1-800-272-9673.